I think that every business should start by figuring out how do I create a system where I can reliably and predictably grow by putting dollars into advertising. Learn modern marketing that you can use to grow your business in today's competitive landscape. This is Digital Marketing Masters with Matt and Carrie Rouse. Welcome to Digital Marketing Masters. I'm Matt Rouse, your host, and today on our show is Devin Schumacher. Devin, how are you doing? Doing good, Matt. Thanks for having me. And thanks for being on the show. Devin is a serial entrepreneur who is the co-founder of SERP, which is a business growth consultancy and the parent company of numerous sub-brands, but specifically to help hyper-specific segments of businesses. And today... We're here to talk a little bit more about dental marketing specifically, but also we're going to talk a little bit about SEO and some other industry stuff too. So Devin, why don't you tell us a little bit more about SERP and what you guys do? Absolutely. And I think you can't really have a conversation about dental marketing without talking a little bit about SEO because it all goes hand in hand. So what we do at SERP Dental is we help dentists grow their practice. In fact, that's our mission statement, help dentists grow their practice and have a larger impact on the communities they serve. And we've been doing it for a while now, and we have learned a few things along the way that I am looking forward to sharing with the listeners. Sure. And, you know, a lot of times people, they're listening to a podcast and they go, oh, they're going to talk about dentists, but, you know, I'm a lawyer, so I'm going to like tune out or something. Do not tune out just because you're not a dentist, because most of this stuff will work with any service based business or any business that is, you know, a repeat client type business. I find a lot of businesses are similar to dentists in the way that they do like rebooking clients, reactivating clients, maybe that they haven't seen for a long time. And I know they have specific terms for that stuff in the dental world, but you see a lot of that stuff in things like dog grooming, hairdressers, nail places, like all of these are, are, are businesses that have clients that come back on, on kind of specific intervals. What do you think is kind of the biggest opportunity for dentists that a lot of them are missing right now? Yeah, you know, it's exactly what you kind of just said. And it's that it's the same thing for dentists that it is for any other business. It's kind of the origin of where we came from. And it's that I didn't want to be a marketer when I was getting started in my career, but I had failure after failure of entrepreneurial venture. And the only common thread was that they lacked good marketing. And I eventually started to have to do my own marketing. I was a DJ at the time and more and more music producers and DJs would ask me to help them with their marketing. And the next thing I knew, all I was doing was marketing. So that's kind of where I kind of got this thread. But what it is, is that every business owner, and it applies to dentists too, they have three roles they have to play. And that's the subject matter expert. So for a dentist, you know, you go to med school and you become a subject matter expert, you become a doctor, then you got to be the business owner and you got to be the marketer. And I look at the business owner kind of like the person who has to handle everything from team management to operations, hiring, and just knowing the business of dentistry in this case, or the business of law or whatever it is. And then the marketer, those principles are going to apply universally across any type of business. And so what we do and what I encourage, you know, other marketing companies and other business owners to do is to think about those three pillars, those three roles, and figure out how you can improve each one of them. So for our clients, we actually help them with the business side of dentistry by bringing in dental coaches. And if I had been a dentist myself, or if I had run a practice myself, I could advise them on that. And if a marketing agency owner came to me and asked if I could help them on the business side of that, I could do it. But, you know, wherever, whatever it is that you're doing, 
finding a subject matter expert in that area to help fill those three roles is going to be the key to growing. And that's interesting talking about the expertise side, because in any business, I mean, you pretty much need to be the expert in that thing. Otherwise, people aren't going to be paying you to do that thing or you shouldn't be a business. But when it comes to running the business, and this comes up in a lot of our shows, is people talking about how much knowledge and effort and time goes into running a business nowadays. Just between things like HR and changes in tax law from year to year and changes in, you know, HR related things like holiday pay or sick leave and changes in in legislation. And then you've got all the things about running your business and, you know, leasing and signage and banking and bookkeeping and all the there's just so much to know. And especially in a world where. Every place that you log into online is changing their interface at least once every six months. And it gets more and more difficult to know and do all the things that you have to do. Who has time left to do marketing at the end of the day? Right. Gets tough. Yeah, that's exactly right. And uh, I found myself doing only marketing. And that's why we went into the marketing space. But I think for any business, you know, understanding and, and we use an analogy just internally at our company that, you know, the subject matter expert, the dentist is like the race car driver. The business is like the car and marketing is the fuel and you can have a high performance vehicle and a well-trained driver. But if you don't put the fuel in it, you're just not going to go anywhere. And we see this all the time. I mean, I guess the most notorious examples are artists where, you know, the best artists of all time, they don't get any recognition until after they die. And then someone finds the painting later and knows how to market. Or another good example is there was a book written called Astrological Love, I think in 1986 or something like that. Have you heard of this? I have. I know the story of Astrological Love because they renamed it. Yeah, a marketer founded a thrift store or something like that, renamed the book, bought the rights and just changed the title. And it turned out from a flop to a New York Times bestseller. Yeah, it went from selling like 100 copies ever <laughs> to a New York Times bestseller. Now I can't remember the title of it. It's going to drive me nuts. I'll, I'll look it up while we're talking so I could bring it up again later. Stay till the end, folks. How to make women beg for you or something like that. Basically, the guy realized that it was a book about seduction and, and picking up women and renamed it. And, and the reason why that's interesting is that what we see when we work with a lot of dentists or business owners is that they have all the pieces. The contents of the book is there. The subject matter expertise is there. They just don't have the marketing right. And changing a headline, that's marketing. That's knowing how to communicate with your audience, knowing how to speak to their actual desires and pain points, knowing how to talk about benefits rather than services. Nobody wants a comprehensive oral exam and free x-rays. Why would I want that? What am I going to do with x-rays? Hang them on the wall? If I don't know what the benefits are surrounding that, I don't really have any incentive to leave what I'm doing, take three hours out of my day and go to the dentist, even if it is free. So when you're running promotions, if you're doing Facebook ads, or if you're getting free traffic from SEO, understanding the temperature of your traffic and what they actually want and speaking to that is going to be, you know, one of the biggest advantages that you can do really. And that's, that's really where we see the disconnect is the businesses we work with, they know their stuff when it comes to medical and some of them have the business side handled. If anybody is an entrepreneur or a business owner, you know, that you never really fully have all your shit together. But, you know, there's certain levels of it. And a lot of the dentists we work with, they have that kind of dialed. But I think as business owners, we fall into this trap of, of talking about our expertise and talking about our services and nobody cares. You have to speak to them. That's absolutely true. 
anybody anywhere has seen the signs, right? That say free x-rays and $99 cleaning or whatever it is, right? What's kind of a, I mean, you don't have to give away all the secret sauce, but what's an example of like an alternate message that a dentist could be using instead of something like free cleaning? Yeah, I'll give away all the secret sauce. I'll give you two examples. We recently ran an ad for Invisalign that was pretty vanilla. Some dentists, they just, you know, you queue up an ad for them and they're like, no, 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 change this, change this, change that. And you're like, you know, you signed up for a reason. Let us do our thing. But okay, you're the client, right? So we recently ran an ad for Invisalign that was something like $1,000 off Invisalign, you know, come in and whatever. And the ad, you know, got some leads as they do, whatever. They got a sale or two. And then the ad fatigued. And ad fatigue is basically when an audience is tired of seeing an ad. They've gone blind to the ad. They don't look at it anymore. They're not interested in it. So what we did is we said, all right, now let us do our thing. And we completely changed the pitch from here's a thousand dollars of a thing, a widget that you probably don't really care about that much, or maybe you do, to just a list of very interesting and engaging statistics and benefits about smiles and charisma. I don't know exactly what's on the ad, but I can find it for you. But something along the lines of, you know, like 85% of people say that you're more likely to get hired if you have a nice smile or things like that, right? The ad didn't talk anything about Invisalign. It just talked about things that people want, what the dentist customer persona, the buyer persona, what those people want. And the ad absolutely erupted. So that's one thing that you can do is you can figure out who your customer is, who you actually want to serve and speak to them that way. Nice. And I've seen an interesting dental ad that it's one of the kind of one of the more common ones that goes around talking about this kind of example is it's a, a guy with a nice smile. He's wearing a suit and stuff. I think he's on a boat or something and he's holding a picture of himself next to like a shack and one of his teeth are missing when he's smiling. And it's just to offset like I was poor and had missing teeth, but now I'm wealthy and have a nice smile. All right. And it doesn't say anything like that, but your brain picks up those triggers. I've seen a good ad too that's very similar where it's a guy who's smiling and he's missing a tooth and he's missing an eyebrow. And the headline is like, I bet you didn't notice that this guy's missing an eyebrow until you read this sentence (laughs) or something like that, right? And everything he reads, it's like, holy, I think I never noticed that he was missing an eyebrow. And it's like that. And it says that's the power of dentistry or that's the power of a nice smile. You're missing an eyebrow and you're not going to notice if I'm missing a tooth. You know, it would make a good ad. All right. I think this would make a good ad anyway. Take a picture of the Mona Lisa and put eyebrows on her, (laughs) but then make one tooth. I don't know if you can see your teeth in it. But anyways, if you can, (laughs) now I'm going to look just in case. No, she's not smiling. Can't see her teeth. Forget it. That's not going to be a good ad, but it was a good idea. Give her some teeth and say, what do you notice that what's different about the Mona Lisa? Give her eyebrows and teeth and everyone will say teeth, right? Give her like some odd shaped teeth or something and. That would be more like an orthopedic surgeon commercial. But it's all about, you know, it's, it all comes back to what, is, what do the people want, right? It doesn't matter the service or the widget. I mean, that's one of the reasons why a lot of these ads and, and dentists don't get as much growth as they want or any business owner. But the other reason is that when you're running ads or you're running promotions or you're talking to an audience and you're saying, here's $1,000 off of a thing, you're only talking to a small segment of the population, So statistically, about 3% of your market is in buying mode, like they're ready to buy something. So when you run an ad that says $1,000 off Invisalign, of all the people that might want a better smile or might even want Invisalign, only 3% of them are ready to buy. The next 17% are in information gathering mode. 
So you can immediately unlock another 17% of the market if you just give them something, right? Help be the person who's delivering them that decision-making information. And I think that's where a lot of people go wrong is that first they don't know how to communicate to their audience the way that the audience needs to be communicated to to get their attention. But second, they're just saying like, for all those people that are already warmed up and ready to buy and just, you know, are going to be a layup, like here's a, a coupon and then you get what you get. But there's a bigger portion of the population that you can advertise to and that you can get traffic coming to because they need info first. So if you're the person that supplies them the info, who do you think they're going to turn to when they're ready to buy? Maybe next month. All right. Absolutely. You know, there's been some interesting chatter kind of going around recently. And a bit of it was due to some kind of Google advertising testing by some pretty large companies. And they were talking about ad fraud and click fraud and all this kind of stuff that happens in ads that people use as excuses not to run ads. Right. Mm -hmm. And usually those cases, what I find is that either they haven't done the targeting correctly to kind of avoid fraud or to, to, to narrow down to that customer. But also you see a lot of people talking about, well, retargeting ads are just retargeting everyone when only like a few percent of people are actually going to take action or, or purchase something. I think the stat I saw was 86% of people when they see a retargeting ad either would never purchase it or have already purchased it. But that's a matter of actually setting up your ads correctly. It's not a matter of fraud or anything like that. I mean, if you have an account where somebody signs up to go, you know, get a deal or, or whatever it is to go to a dentist to make an appointment, you know that that person is converted and they need to be putting that back into their audience so that they can exclude those people from the advertising so you're not spending money to re-advertise to the same people or sending retargeting ads to people who've already bought your thing. I see it every day. I mean, I recently moved from the United States to Canada, and every time I log into the company that handled moving my stuff, they retarget me for like seven days. And every one of those ads is a waste because they didn't put me in the exclusion list for having already purchased, right? Yeah, I just bought a like a $5,000 couch the other day and I'm still getting ads to buy the couch from the same company. I'm like, you're burning your cost per acquisition here. You're totally ruining it. I know it's a failure of targeting for one, but it's also like, it kind of gets you annoyed after a while, right? You're like, I already bought that guys. I don't need to see this anymore. <laughs> you know? Yeah. That's the interesting thing about, you know, how good targeting is getting and how much data the platforms have on us now. And I have this conversation with like my creative friends all the time that are like, I don't use Facebook because they track my information. And I'm like, well, dude, first of all, everybody like your information is tracked regardless, but I kind of like getting ads when they're relevant to me. I click on ads. I opt into stuff and I interact with things that I want because I like seeing ads for things that I want because I end up buying them and I'm happy about it. Whereas if I'm going to watch something on TV, I need to sit through like 12 diaper commercials. I'm never going to buy a diaper, right? Like give me some ads for stuff I actually want. I'm a consumer. I want to buy stuff if it's going to be, you know, up my alley. Yeah. I mean, the, the ad targeting thing is it's pretty weird how people, they draw these, these false equivalences. They say, well, I don't want, to click on a Facebook ad or something because they're going to track me around the internet, but then they carry their phone around everywhere they go, getting tracked everywhere they go in the real world and on the internet and taking pictures of themselves in all the different places and the photos are geotagged and they upload them to Instagram thinking that Facebook's not going to get them. Like they're owned by the same company people. Yeah. Well, 
WhatsApp, Facebook, Instagram. I mean, even if you just allow permissions to your photos for one, just for that one time, they have all of your data. You've been sticking your fingerprint on an iPhone to open it up for the last five years. You think that's not out there somewhere? Yeah, in your face now. In your face now. Not to get into the whole privacy conversation too much, but, you know, I'm happy to get into that if we ought to. But like every time you pass a police car, they're recording your vehicle and your license plate. And every time you pass a traffic cam, they're recording your vehicle license plate. And they know through the registration that the vehicle belongs to you. And they know because your phone's in the vehicle where it's going. Like all of these things, the last thing you need to worry about is if you're into knitting and you get knitting ads on Facebook, that's a good thing. It's not if you're into knitting and all you get is generic ads for like casino video games, that, that's not content that you want, right? They're going to show you an ad either way. Yeah. And on top of that, it's also the thing that's powering my entire livelihood and my business, right? It, there's never been a better time to be a business owner if you want to grow than now, because all of that data that, you know, we just talked about other people collecting on you. They are now saying, here, we've collected it all for you, and we're going to allow you to target these people using our audience targeting, right? Facebook's collecting all this data about about everyone, and they're saying, you want to advertise to them now? So as an advertiser, like as an advertising agency or as an advertiser as a business, it's all there for you. So if, if you're a dentist or if you're a lawyer or if you're whatever and you want to grow, all of the data about your customer is in front of you, and you can use it and you can speak to them. A lot of people miss the mark because they don't know how to speak to them. But the data is there. It's, it's, it's all there. If you want to grow, like you've never had a better opportunity in the history of the planet than now. Right, for sure. And you know what? It's it's anonymized. It's not like I know that Janice in Arizona likes to knit, right? I just say I want to find people who are interested in knitting who live in Arizona Facebook or Google or whoever the company that's advertising is, is going to go find those people. We don't get the data, right? And that's what people think. Like people think that, oh, you have a marketing agency. So you know that I like to go to the gym three times a week. Like I don't know that about anyone, right? Unless they tell me that specifically. The advertising data is, is anonymized and you don't get access to it. You just get access to target to, you know, those kinds of things about people and the platform goes and finds the people on the marketer's behalf. And if you're anybody right now with a credit card in your pocket, and I think the minimum now is probably about $10, you can use the most advanced advertising platforms in the history of mankind for nothing, right? I mean, obviously, if you want to get good results, 10 bucks isn't going to get you very far. But like, what were your options for advertising pre-platform internet, right? Like before 2006... It was like maybe email if half of your customers even had an email address and the newspaper. And then it was like radio and TV if you could afford it. Yellow pages, maybe. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And yellow pages. True. That's a good one. But yellow pages were still pretty expensive then, right? We had companies that we were doing work with in the early 2000s that were paying sometimes, you know, eight to $12,000 for a half page in the yellow pages. And what's kind of interesting is that you know, with all the technology changes and with all the different mediums and so many of them going out of date, like yellow pages and such, the fundamentals have never changed. And the fundamentals start with just knowing who your customer is and how to talk to them. And what I was saying earlier about, you know, changing the language on an ad, that would apply now. That applies in the 50s. It applies in the early 1900s. It applies any time that you're speaking to a customer 
And it just kind of blows my mind how many business owners don't spend the time to do those fundamentals because the platforms will change and the mediums will change. But, you know, knowing who you're talking to and, and knowing how to talk to them, talk to their benefits, it's never going away. It's evergreen. So learning those kinds of things as a business owner, when you put on your marketing hat, one of those three roles is going to serve you for the rest of the time that you're running your business. Yeah, absolutely. Knowing things about not just your customers, but knowing how to do copywriting and things like that are super valuable. But let's talk for a minute about, let's say you're a dentist, lawyer, whatever, right? You're, you have some kind of service-based business. You have the money to spend on marketing generally, unless you're like just kind of starting out. When you're going to use an agency, a lot of times, what, at least what we see at our agency is people have heard of specific things that, that other people have told them or they read some articles in the dental magazine or in Forbes or something. And they're like, OK, I need some SEO. So they call us and they say, can you guys SEO our website or something? Right. With very little knowledge of what any of the things that they could do are. What do you think is the best place for a business to start? Is it something like auditing? Is something that you would do first or is it more, let's take a look at the marketing you're currently doing. And I guess that's still an audit, <laughs> but where's kind of a starting place for a business if they want to, you know, start marketing their business a little more, take it out of their in-house hands. Yeah. So we started as an SEO company. And I think one of the things that we did wrong in the beginning was that when people came to us asking for SEO, we gave them SEO. And that might sound a little bit weird, but we did the same thing. Yeah. Over the years, you learn that, you know, SEO is getting traffic to your website by, you know, ranking on Google and it's people who are actively searching, right? They're in that either information gathering stage or they're ready to buy and they're searching for a provider. It's extremely valuable traffic because they're literally typing in, I want what you sell. And then you pop up. The problem is that it takes quite a while to rank in some cases. I mean, quite a while is relative, but it takes time to rank if you don't have any SEO equity built. And so what we were doing wrong is we were saying, we're an SEO company. You want SEO? Yes, I'll give you SEO. And a lot of times we would lose clients because it would take six months and they needed business faster. And what we started to realize is if you're ready for SEO, it means that you already have a stable base of customers or you already have an acquisition system that can predictably help you grow. And I mean, I guess the last thing I'll say on that is, being an SEO company, we made the same mistake ourselves, is that we tried to grow and get clients by doing SEO in the beginning when we should have been focusing on advertising. Because unless you have six to 12 months to burn without have, getting business, you know it's probably not the right time to invest in that. But when you have a stable base or you have a predictable client acquisition system where you can put a dollar in the machine, get $2 out and know how many clients you're going to get every month, then SEO makes a lot of sense because that's about securing your place and diversifying where you're getting your traffic from and getting a whole new type of person to your website. So where should a business start? I think it depends on where they're currently at. I think that every business should start by figuring out how do I create a system where I can reliably and predictably grow by putting dollars into advertising. And that's coming from a purebred SEO. Like I, I was born and bred SEO, so... SEO is in the name of our company, right? Hook SEO, you know, and yours for people who don't know, SERP is search engine results page is what it stands for. So we both have SEO in our names, right? But yeah, I mean, when we first came out, we'd have like people come to us and they'd be like, yeah, we need SEO. We need SEO. We need SEO. And 
we would just start doing SEO work. And then, you know, like 60 days, they're like frantically telling us that they're like going broke. And I'm like, SEO is not going to save your business if you're 120 days from bankruptcy or less kind of thing. You have a different problem. And, you know, if you're at that stage where you're going further and further into the red, SEO might help you out at some point, but it's not where to put your money right now, right? You need something that's going to have an immediate return. And there's probably another thing wrong with your business. You know, you might want to look at a business coach or someone like that also. But advertising can pay off immediately, right? Because, I mean, the platforms are so fast now. I mean, I had somebody that we just started working with recently a couple months ago. And from the time that we kind of closed the deal and said, okay, well, let's do this thing, right? It was 48 hours before they got their first customer. This is unheard of, right? I mean, when's the last time you called a radio station? They said, we'll give you a client in 48 hours. I mean, the platforms can be set up quickly, launched quickly. In this case, they had a lot of stuff already pre-made, ready to go. So it was easy. We didn't have to generate all the assets and stuff. But so that's not a typical, you know, response time. But I mean, if you want something quick, advertising is definitely the way to do it. Yeah, that's true. And on the flip side, you got to pay for it forever. So at some point you want to do SEO because that's how you build your stable base. Like we kind of look at it like, you know, how badly do you need a house? Are you homeless? You should probably go rent a house right now. And if you have no money, like you might want to rent and pay 500 bucks, a thousand bucks a month rather than trying to buy a house. But you're going to pay for that room forever until you buy a house and mortgage it and pay it off. So I, I look at advertising kind of like renting because you, you really are. You're renting traffic. You're purchasing traffic from these platforms. And as soon as you stop paying, they evict you. But SEO is more like buying a house and building your content on your website, building links to your website, you know, building up your SEO. That's something that's going to end up paying you over the long run. And you can live in that thing without having to continually pay high prices. You might have to pay some property tax every year, right? There's going to be a maintenance fee, but in general, it's the long-term play. SEO is not a one-time thing. I see business owners a lot of times. They're like, I need you to SEO my website. I'm like, that is not a thing. Like there is on-site SEO work that can be done, but SEO is something that happens regularly because any term that you type into the internet right now that comes up with a result page, you can guarantee somebody did SEO work to get in the top few spots. Like absolutely. There's, there's nowhere on the internet now that anything is profitable where they didn't spend time, money, or effort, or all three trying to get into those positions. The idea of Google's fancy like just write some good content and blog a couple times and, and you know, you'll be right up there on the results page. It's all horseshit. You have to do actual hard SEO work to get into those positions. And I mean, the biggest one right now, especially if you're a business like a dentist where people physically come there, is going to be your local SEO side, right? And local SEO is not the same thing as your standard organic SEO. Because if you get a re local results page now, like you type in dentist Portland, Oregon, it's going to show you probably three or four ads. Then it might show you like a YouTube video or something. Then there's going to be a map. In the map, there might be one or two ads in the ad box for the map box. Then there's the map results, the first three. Then there's a button to click to see the rest. And then there's the first organic result. So you're way down the page if you're number one on organic. Right. And organic still does get a lot of clicks. The number one result, people are just, that. that's kind of the thing we've been trained to sort of just flip past the top. 
So it's good to secure that. But the cool thing about local is when you know what you're doing, you can get the organic result and you can get the map pack. And you can, of course, you can get a lot of other things. We like to build out. And you can run an ad. And you can run an ad, right? So you're, you're just increasing the amount of real estate that you have there and providing value, hopefully. If you really, really, really go hard on the SEO side, you can get in there where you can get on a page as maybe as many as four or five times on one search result page where you have the advertisement, the listing in the map box, maybe a YouTube video, right? That's from your company and then an organic listing, right? And then maybe you have another page on your site that also ranks or it could be something like Clutch or Yelp or, you know, some other listing service that has your listing for your company for that result also. So there's ways that you can get tons. Well, the thing is that what Google's trying to do is they're trying to give their users options and they typically don't like to rank the same domain for multiple times on the same SERP. But if you do what you just said that you or you touched on is you can use other people's domains to rank your stuff, right? I mean, it's called Parasite SEO. You can throw up all sorts of different types of pages, but there's other websites out there like WordPress, Blogger, Blogspot, and things that already have established authority, and you can get pages up there. But most local businesses don't need to worry about that. It's going a little too far, but it is kind of fun to do. The more real estate you can get on the page, the more likely you are to get someone's click, but you don't want to game the system either, right? If you game the system too much, then you might get a penalty. Well, I don't want to get into talking about Google penalties, but let's just say that that's bad. If you do have a Google penalty on your company right now, go get an expert to look at it, an SEO expert, because you don't want to deal with it. I just did a penalty recovery yesterday, actually, for a local business. And it's not something we do, and it wasn't even my client. It was just a friend of mine who is a chiropractor. And uh, I looked at their, their traffic graph. And I, I don't remember the exact date, but it was like November 20th or something like that. They just fell off the map, which is indicative that you have a penalty. If, you're, if your rankings just go from somewhere to nowhere overnight, you got a penalty and you got to get that fixed. Yeah, if you look in your Google Analytics or your your traffic results, whatever you're using to track your traffic, and you just see what looks like a cliff in the wrong direction, <laughs> then, yeah, that's time to talk to an SEO expert. Don't even bother taking the time to sort it out yourself. You might just make it worse. I've seen that happen. And you don't want to make it worse and then go see an SEO expert because then it's going to cost you three times as much to get fixed. I will tell you, too, that the businesses, the local businesses that are most prone to getting those types of penalties are the ones where their brand name does not match their domain name. And I see it a lot with attorneys. You know, you'll have an attorney, you know, their business name will be like Johnson and Smith Attorneys at Law, and their domain name will be Personal Injury Attorney Chicago or something like that. And the, the people that do those kinds of things, and it's very, very common to do that back in 2000. Anything pre-2000 and probably 16. But really the only time I'm seeing local websites get penalized is when you have a mismatch between brand name and URL. So if that's you listening, you even if you don't have a penalty yet, like you need to probably talk to somebody to make sure you're not going to get one. Yeah, or the penalty can be because there's a, there's a mismatch between your actual name and what you've put in as the title of your business on Google My Business. If you're like Devin and Matt's painting company, but on Google My Business, you typed it in as L.A. painting contractor, then you might get penalized. Yeah, the example I had yesterday, I'm not going to say the business name, but it was first word, second word, Franklin.com for the city. That was the domain name. And then the business name was, you know, first word, second word, third word. So not, not the same. And then the Google My Business 
was a little bit different as well. And then the title tags of the website where you can say, here's the brand name, like in the site title, site title was different as well. And you're basically telling Google, I'm trying to stick a bunch of keywords all over the place. Right. That's keyword stuffing. Keyword stuffing. And it's a little hypocritical because at my company, Serpco, we do that stuff all the time on our websites, not on our clients, but we do it on our websites. But it's because we know what we're doing, right? Like a fire juggler can fire can juggle fire sticks without getting burned, but you probably shouldn't do that unless you know what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot. Don't don't do any shady stuff, people. Man, I still have people ask me about things like ghosting. Do you remember ghosting? Where somebody would put like all the keywords in white on their white background? Don't do that, folks. Don't do, you know. I don't know. There's just so many shady things. Don't do that. Don't put up businesses on the on the map where your business doesn't actually exist. Because, I mean, if you get penalized, it can be super hard. And it's especially frustrating if you're a real business at a real address and it's you. You've tried to do everything the way that you're supposed to, but you still get penalized. It can be super frustrating. I've seen that happen a lot. Hasn't happened as much lately, but, man, the beginning of last year, there's just map suspensions all over the place. Google just went crazy and everybody knocked off the map all over. Yeah, I remember that. We run a lot of experiments and I experiment on my own site, kind of like the mad scientist who gives himself injections or whatever. And I was experimenting a lot with putting up those types of listings and we got like 150 of them banned, but we don't do it for clients. I just do it strictly for the purpose of figuring out what's happening because Google is not going to tell you what they're doing. You can only really trial and error to try and get an idea of the scene so that you can create a strategy that's actually going to work long term. But for businesses, for local businesses, you want to keep it as clean as possible. And that's kind of the thing is I, I still don't see them doing that a lot of the times. The biggest thing that I see businesses doing is they're they're always trying to work the system from whatever tiny pieces of of like random Internet advice they've read over the last 20 years and just fill in what it asks you to fill in when it comes to things like Google My Business or Bing Places. If it says description, put a well-worded description, maybe use your keyword that you want to rank for once kind of thing. But, you know, you don't want to put like L.A. painters who paint houses and paint buildings and hire painters for L.A. area painting company of painters. You know, don't do any of that kind of crap. Don't name it something different than what your business is named. Just Keep it simple, get it up there, and then go talk to an expert and have them do their magic and they can get you ranked without getting you suspended. Yeah, and I would and I would add to that, those are opportunities where instead of trying to game the system with keyword stuffing, use direct response, use copywriting and put in things that are actually going to speak to your buyer. And you know, maybe don't go too heavy on the on the clickbaitiness of it, right? Clickbait is kind of like the keyword stuffing of direct response. But, you know, use those opportunities to speak to your to your customers appropriately. And, you know, you'll get people actually coming to your to your website. One of the biggest problems I see is that we'll work with a dentist. I've been around for 25 years and I, like there's other people that are ranking on page one. It's like, yeah, well, you spent 25 years of your life establishing yourself in your community as a trustworthy expert and an authority. But now you have to do that all over again to Google. Because Google isn't your neighborhood, right? You have to go to Google and say, you can't just raise your hand and say, I've been here for 25 years. You have to prove it to them through consistent effort. And that's really what SEO is. And, you know, if you are an established business in your area, you have all kinds of opportunities to prove what an established business you are through things like, you know, if you've worked with 
vendors or charities or schools or community events and all those kinds of things. All of those places could be mentioning you. They could be linking back to your website. Even a mention without a link is still valuable. You know, there's lots of stuff that you can do to to prove your authority to Google, which unfortunately is just a thing you have to deal with as a business owner. You know, I've seen people go the way and say, I don't need Google and I'm not going to bother with it. And it's a tough slog without using the tools that are available that people are already using every day. Yeah, I'd say pay your dues to Google and do that by establishing authority, providing value. And so you don't have to be a slave to the companies like Yelp, because those are the ones that are really actually out to kind of take advantage of you straight up. Reviews is a whole nother episode. Speaking of which, that is actually our most popular episode of our show ever was episode one. And it was how to get rid of negative reviews on Yelp. So if that's something that interests you, go all the way back to episode one. Devin, thank you so much for being on. If somebody wants to talk to you about marketing for their dental, you know, agency or on our dental practice and uh, or any other type of business, what's the best way for them to reach out to you? Yeah, if you're a dentist, just go to serpdental.com, S-E-R-P dental.com. You know, if you're just a student of marketing and you want to learn more, go to SERP University. And I try to put out information as much as possible that's high quality. And this year I have a mission to really just kind of blow the roof off and just give away as much stuff as possible to help people with marketing. So perfect. Thanks so much for being on the show, Devin. And uh, stay safe there in LA. Thanks, Matt. This has been Digital Marketing Masters with Matt and Carrie Rouse. For notes and a transcript of this episode, go to hookseo.com forward slash podcast. Join us next week as we dive into more tips and ideas to grow your business. Digital Marketing Masters is brought to you by Hook SEO Digital Marketing. Our show is produced by Matthew Rouse and Scott Burson. Mixed and edited by Silent Outburst Productions. I'm your announcer, Daniel D. Craig. We would love to hear your thoughts. Please leave us an honest review with your podcast provider. Your reviews help us help more business leaders just like you.